This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Healthy Versus Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. This is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks, how does the narcissist cause self-hatred in others? I've also seen this question worded instead of self-hatred with the term self-loathing and how does the narcissist cause low self-esteem in others? So when somebody's in a relationship with a narcissist, what happens much of the time is what we call narcissistic abuse. Narcissistic abuse is often subtle, sometimes occurring over the course of years and staying relatively well hidden. That's one of the reasons it's so dangerous. We see with narcissistic abuse, condescending behavior, gaslighting, projecting feelings of low self-worth onto other people, which really aligns well with this idea of self-loathing. We see deception, jealousy, and emotional abuse. So really, they're all forms of manipulation in some sense. And whether it's a romantic relationship, friends, parent-child relationship, siblings, coworkers, regardless of the context, when individuals find out that they were victims of a narcissist, they start to replay some of the different interactions, feelings, and thoughts that occurred while that abuse was going on. The victims start to see reactions and consequences that are actually common to many victims. So another way of putting it is they see patterns. So an analogy here would be if somebody had trouble sleeping or they were irritable or maybe a little down when they're in their house, but not when they're outside of their house. And then maybe years later, this is going on for years, they find out there was some sort of chemical leak in their home. So after hearing about this, they remember that they always did kind of smell something funny in the house. And all those other symptoms start to make sense in light of that chemical leak. And again, they tend to correspond with the time someone spent in their home, right? So that new information kind of aligns all those symptoms. Everything makes sense in light of that new information. This is really how narcissism is. Narcissism is like a chemical leak subtle but dangerous. 
And when it's finally discovered, it really explains a lot. So one of those patterns that victims recognize is moving from a state of confidence and healthy self-esteem to feeling ineffective and having self-hatred or self-loathing or low self-esteem. Now, manipulation causes this, but also just the stress of contending with the narcissist can cause this. We know that stress is linked to low self-esteem. Now, self-hatred is a little bit different than low self-esteem. Low self-esteem is really the absence of feelings of worth, and it's a major risk factor for depression. Self-hatred has that same absence of worth, but also adds like feelings of anger, disgust, and shame that's pointed inward. It's really kind of a continuum where low self-esteem is on one end and self-hatred is on the other, but both are on the part of the continuum that are negative, that have negative outcomes associated with them. So essentially, low self-esteem is required for self-hatred or self-loathing. They are similar, but not identical. Low self-esteem makes it easier to have self-hatred, and it makes somebody more of a target for a narcissist, because narcissists tend to look at individuals who have low self-esteem as people they want to victimize, right? They don't want to go after people who have healthy self-esteem because the narcissist can't get what they want from those people as easily. Individuals with low self-esteem are actually less defensive and have greater acceptance of negative feedback than people who have healthy self-esteem. So in a sense, this is okay if you're getting accurate feedback, but narcissists don't provide accurate feedback. They provide feedback in order to widen the crack in the foundation, not to fix the crack. Because by widening the crack, the fissure in that foundation seems smaller by comparison. And that's what the narcissist is really trying to do. They're trying to feel better by making the victim feel worse. Narcissists aren't trying to move up the ladder. They're trying to push you down the ladder. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave. So what should one do if they discover that they have self-hatred or low self-esteem? Well, the straightforward answer is to seek counseling, and here's why. Self-hatred has this relationship with low self-esteem. I mentioned that. Some simply say that they're the same thing, so both are dangerous. Low self-esteem has a relationship with depression, and depression is a dangerous construct. Whether it manifests as major depressive disorder, persistent depressive disorder, adjustment disorder, or something else, 
depression really shouldn't be toyed with. It needs to be treated. It's associated with increased mortality. That's an increased risk of death. It's also associated with low productivity, poor social functioning, and a lot of other problems. So again, seeking counseling would be the first move. As far as the feelings of self-loathing when they're separated from the idea of depression, I hear this question a lot about low self-esteem. What if somebody believes they deserve to have low self-esteem? So what if self-esteem actually seems like a logical and appropriate feeling based on how somebody has lived their life or bad things they've done or whatever? Many narcissists in the context of a narcissistically abusive relationship will try to make this argument. Again, they try to widen the crack that's already there. The most effective way to decrease somebody's self-esteem is to pick a weakness that the victim identified. So the victim can unknowingly give ammunition to the narcissist. So keeping this in mind, going back to that question, what if somebody believes they deserve to have low self-esteem? Well, when low self-esteem is present, what people tend to find is that they were tricked into having it because of faulty logic. They were tricked by depression. They failed to meet unrealistic expectations set by others. They were deceived by a narcissist, whatever it is. Self-loathing is not a logical approach. It's not reasonable. Feeling guilty or taking responsibility for bad acts may be reasonable, but low self-esteem is never necessary from a logical standpoint. It actually doesn't really help the problem. If you feel guilty and you want to make amends to somebody, low self-esteem will not help you to make amends. Again, it never helps to achieve the best possible outcome. It's understandable in a lot of situations but one should never let themselves be deceived into believing it's necessary. If someone is trying to convince you that you don't have worth, that you should feel badly about yourself, that really says a lot more about them than it does about you. You have to ask yourself, is that person really trying to help you? Or are they trying to feel better by making you feel worse? One of the fundamental principles of the counseling profession is that everybody is inherently valuable. Counselors honor this principle when they demonstrate what's called unconditional positive regard. So to a counselor, it doesn't matter what somebody's done or failed to do. Counselors always look at people in the same way, in a positive way, in a hopeful way, which is one of the reasons that narcissists hate it when their victims go and seek counseling. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. 
So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.